This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins and that podcast. I'm Daniel Yafusi. That is David Neal. Thanks so much for tuning in. Quick reminder before we start, make sure to subscribe to the Miami Herald YouTube page, like, share, comment, as well as subscribe to the Miami Herald. Uh, that one pays the rent. That one pays the rent. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can tell I'm not in my normal, you know, bearings, my normal uh, abode in South Florida. That's- that modern art's not behind him. Yeah, exactly. I, I am uh, in Mobile, Alabama, the home of the 2024 Senior Bowl. <sighs> uh, I was gonna say I'm a little that's, more. That's I'm a little more optimistic and you know joyful about it than you. But I'll be out. Here week. <laughs> I'll be out here this week uh, for the Senior Bowl. Uh, Tons of uh, draft prospects have made their way to Alabama uh, for the week of practice, culminating uh, in the game on Saturday. Uh, the Dolphins will have boots on the ground. I actually ran into a Dolphin scout on the way here. Uh, they will be well represented looking at uh, some potential draft targets. Uh, I actually wrote, I already got a story up on the Miami Herald website of 10 players to watch, keep a tab on over the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, as we make our way uh, to the NFL draft in late April. Uh, this is you know, just the latest, uh, the next stop in the offseason for the Dolphins uh, as they move from in-season mode to off-season mode. Uh, so we we'll definitely have a ton of content uh, for you this week. Uh, however, it's been a week since we had the podcast, since we recorded. Uh, I mean, Actually, not- two weeks, but... Yeah, te- last week. Technically, technically <laughs> two weeks. Yeah. yeah no, technically, no, technically two weeks. <laughs> it was two, two weeks. All right. Calendar, man. <laughs> hey, I was gonna say the days just all mixed together nowadays. Now that's honest. what happens in Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> but but we did have some some big news since the last time we recorded the podcast. Uh the news has already been out there. Uh Dolphins and Vic Fangio parting ways after one season. A little bit of a shocker kind of the first domino and what we all thought was going to be a very interesting uh, offseason. Now, if you remember last year, he was the white whale. You know, the Dolphins brought him in. They made him the highest paid defensive coordinator uh, to replace Josh Boyer. Um, and well, Collins, I mean, he did a pretty good job with this unit. This was a unit uh, that dealt with a lot of injuries, uh, but they finished top 10 in yards allowed the first time since 2010. Um, again, Despite a lot of injuries, we talked about it a couple weeks back. Uh, the Dolphins played their final game of the season in the wild card round against the Chiefs without five defenders, starting defenders, and another one, Nanji Van Ginkle, who was you know a de facto starter this year. Uh, so a lot of adversity for that group, but they still uh, acquitted themselves pretty well when healthy in the first year of Vic Fangio's game. Nonetheless, he's out. Um, you know, if you read my story uh, last week. You know, I spoke to some people in the know, spoke to some sources um, who said, you know, while uh, he did do some good things with his scheme, uh, there was a rigidity to the uh, to the defense, excuse me, the defensive scheme. Um, and, you know, 
some of the stuff was stuff that we we had heard. You know, we spoke to Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey, and they expressed the desire to shadow more often. Um, and there just was a lack of kind of flexibility um, that I think frustrated a lot of people, a lot of players. Um, I was told that, you know, didn't have the greatest relationships with a lot of guys. Um, Vic Banjo has moved on already very quickly, is now the Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator. And that was something that he was rumored uh, to be interested in dating back to last year. You know, I actually asked him uh, at the end of OTAs in the spring, uh, you know, there was a ESPN report that if not for some tampering with Jonathan Gannon before he left the Eagles to go to the Cardinals, uh, Vic Banjo may have been the defensive coordinator. And he said, you know, that could be true, but I will neither confirm, conform, confirm nor deny it. So, you know, that a non-answer says a lot right there. <laughs> Nonetheless, he is in Philadelphia. The Dolphins are uh, currently searching for their, uh, I guess, third defensive coordinator in as many years. We're going to talk about, you know, maybe some of these names that have popped up and who uh, we might want the Dolphins to hire, who we think the Dolphins should hire. But uh, we're going to start with the Vic Bangio news, like, was it the right move? Was it the wrong move? Um, I will say this. I, I think that it was it was very clear personality-wise, like, who the Dolphins were bringing in. You know, I think that, you know, the thing that stood out was that he was a complete – Big Banjo's personality was a complete 180 from Mike McDaniel's personality. And I think that um, – I think that we all thought that that was – positive in the sense of like you got a balance in personalities and tone and tenor but it there always seemed to be just something kind of like off with the marriage so to speak like when you first got here obviously um there was you know there were reports of does he even want to be here like, i remember like when they first hired bangio you know there were reports saying that he was about to accept the job and he goes on the record and tells um you know uh um a uh, san francisco based reporter that he has a relationship with that no i haven't signed anything yet so you have like just kind of like that weird denial of whether he's actually going to be here, um, you know, throughout the season, you know, talk, you know, like him kind of com complaining more or less about the personnel and saying we don't have enough depth. We don't have enough depth. We need to get some guys in kind of like a kind of like not shots, but kind of making out outward <laughs> to, to, the, to the general manager, Chris Greer, in the personal department to bring in, quote unquote, That's... his guys, I would say. Um, and then you, you know go in season while I think they did some great things with the scheme, but you had some of the best players in the on the team kind of I don't want to say at odds, but kind of frustrated with some of the decisions that they were making. You know, specifically the the shadowing. I think the shadowing thing was the one thing that frustrated fans and players alike because we saw like what happened with them early in the season against Stephon Diggs when he goes for you know one twenty and three touchdowns mostly on Cater Kohu, and you have an all-pro, pro-bowl-level cornerback in Xavier Howard who doesn't get the opportunity like to even shadow him or follow him or make any changes. Um, and there was, again, I think that over the course of the season, there was a little bit of like a rigidity where it's like, all right, like you're kind of stuck in your ways. And Banjo kind of acknowledged that at times. Like when we asked him why he would do certain things, why do you call the plays from the coach's booth and give it to Anthony Campanile? Um, and he's like, oh, well, that, that's that's how we all have always done it. So I I, that, that's how I'm going to do it. You know, kind of, kind of, kind of talked about like, you know, you can't teach a dog, uh, old dog, new tricks, kind, kind of along those lines. Um, so I, I think that there's something to be said for the on field impact that he had with, uh, with the scheme and implementing that in his first year. I will say, I think the numbers, I think the, the success of the defense was a bit inflated, but if you look at them against some of the better competition this season, they did, they, they, they didn't, 
you know, live up to those expectations, whether it was Buffalo early in the season, the Baltimore game, um, you know, some other games in the season. They, 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 I think the numbers were a bit skewed because of what they did against, you know, some of the, you know, the bad competition. Um, but I will acknowledge that they were better at full strength. They were better than they were the previous season under Josh Boyer. But um, I think that when you have created a culture under Mike McDaniel that embraces, um, that embraces, you know, kind of camaraderie and working together and collaboration. Collaboration. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say collaboration is the key word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a big yeah. word around the league now, but yeah. Yeah, and and you know, it is open to ideas and open to guys giving their input. And then you have, you know, by all accounts, you know, a coach who was kind of dead set in his ways, wouldn't make adjustments based off of what his players preferred and were most comfortable with. Um, and then you also kind of tie in the fact that. Maybe he didn't. Maybe Miami wasn't his first choice. Maybe he did want to be in Philadelphia. Um, I'm okay with the decision, but McDaniel is really on the clock now, and we'll talk about it in a minute. He's got to hit this higher. He's got to get this higher right um, because you already you already you're facing some heat about the way the offense is going, but you can't have the defense regress to what it was under Boyer. Like you can't have it regress back to that. Um, so, you know, he's got, he's got to get that and make sure that that defense side of the ball is, uh, is locked down so he can take care of what he needs to do with the offense. Yeah. The couple of things with big Fangio, um, you know, the people can, you know, these kids, uh, you can almost hear some older fans, oh, these players today, these kids today, you know, collaborative effort in my day, you know, coach said it and that was it. Well, not necessarily. You know, the, the better coaches have always, there have been some autocratic coaches and there are some coaches who are like, okay, they're autocratic, but they're autocratic after they've listened to players and said, taken in the information and said, okay, wait a minute, this is what we're going to do. Um, uh, these days, players want to be listened to. Uh, there's a lot that's not in their, they feel they feel it's not in their control uh, during the game. And, they want to be heard and feel like there's some things that are in their control. And especially if things aren't working well, they want to be heard and uh, you have to allow them to be heard. I think, and I, unless you are, you know, you know, unless you're a truly, truly, you know, unique defensive coordinator, uh, defensive mind or offensive mind, I think you have to listen to your players, uh, because at the end of the day, they're the ones out there doing it. They have – one of the things that I remember John Madden used to say is – he said he liked his quarterbacks calling the game because they have to believe in the play. Yeah. The players have to believe in the play. The players have to believe in what you're doing. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think age is an excuse for rigidity – um, and look, I've, I was saying this to my daughter the other day. I thought it yesterday, uh, when we were, ta when people started discussing Dan Campbell's decisions during the NFC title game, uh, but you can win being a, this is what I do. This is what we do coach. And just, this is how we do it. This is what we do. This is how I do it. You can win that way, but 
the best coaches that last long term and win over many, many years are the types that say, this is what I do. This is what we do. But in this situation, that's not that's not called for. We're going to do that. And or I'm going to adjust to that. And because what we usually do, what I usually do, that's not called for right now. There are situations that don't call for it. This is that. So, um, you know, he's big fan. Jim's had a long, has a long, successful career. Uh, you know, I'm sure he'll, you know, do well in Philadelphia. Uh, but, you know, not everybody's the right fit everywhere. And perhaps he wasn't just, you know, just wasn't the right fit here. And so, but yeah, you, you know, Mike McDaniel's looking at three defensive coordinators in three years. It's uh, when you, when you're a, you know, when you're only in your third year in the NFL as a head coach, that's, uh, that's, that's not setting yourself up for success to put it mildly. Yeah. I mean, you want continuity with your, with your coaching staff. You want to, you know, build something continuously. Um, But, you know, now again, you know, he has to make sure, you know, I think, I think I, I don't want to say that like the hiring of Big Banjo was like a, a failure or not, because I think that he did a lot of really good things with the scheme. But, you know, it's still there's still something to be said for a lack of continuity, you know, yeah. and yeah. On, especially on the defensive side of the ball now. So now he is um, they are in the midst of a of a coach or a hiring search. Um, multiple names have surfaced. We're going to kind of go through this. I know, um, you know, last week, you know, I reported as well. Um, as ESPN had reported that um, the Dolphins were interviewing uh, former Los Angeles Chargers coach Brandon Staley for the job. Um, you know, not too long afterward, um, it came out that they had also requested um, to interview Buffalo Bills linebackers coach Bobby Babich. Babich, I think I'm um, saying it correctly. Uh, and then today, um, just just today on Monday, uh, some additional names, including some in-house options. Options have popped up. Popped up. Um, you know they they're interviewing Anthony Campanile, the linebackers coach, who was also under consideration for the job last year. Um, he's also interviewed with the Jets for their defensive coordinator opening. Um, they're interviewing outside linebackers coach uh, Ryan Slowick, um, who just finished his first season as the outside linebackers coach. Um, I think maybe the most intriguing name to surface. They are reportedly for to ESPN, uh, set to interview former Bills defensive coordinator and former NFL coach, head coach, uh, Leslie Frazier um, for it. So he's definitely, I, I guess I, I kind of want to start with Frazier because he is the most uh, the most experienced and tenured of these options, 64 years old. Um, he had spent the previous six years uh, leading the Bills defense before kind of taking a sabbatical, took this past year off away from the game. Um, and six, I mean, his, he he had a he has a proven track record, you know, six years right. leading the Bills. Um, they gave up the third fewest points in the NFL. They were tied for the fewest points allowed. Um, you know, the Bills have been atop the league when it term when it comes to defensive stats. Um, and the Bill uh, the Dolphins also interviewed uh Frazier for their head coaching job um back in 2022 before Mike McDaniel got the job. So they clearly view him in high regard. I guess after that, you have Brandon Staley as maybe the most experienced. Experienced, you know, obviously he uh, was kind of a fast riser, 
fast riser through the coaching ranks. Um, you know, just was recently hot, fired in December as a uh, Chargers coach after three years. Um, and, you know, he had a really good defense in 2020 with the Rams, uh, notably led by uh, Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. However, when he was in Los Angeles, uh, you know, his defense is just were never up to that standard, you know, really uh, on, in the other locker room in Los Angeles. Yeah, 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 with the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, for, so for those three years, I mean, they were among they were, you know, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So I think that that, you know, when you when you see that, you maybe do have some cause for pause, but again, maybe sometimes it's different in a uh in a coordinator role as opposed to a head coaching role when you hear those names, uh who stands out to you? Um anyone stand out in particular and do you think it's important for the Dolphins to hire somebody with that coordinator experience as opposed to hiring a first time because keep in mind um uh, Phil's linebackers coach as well as uh Campanile and Slow like they don't have NFL defense coordinator uh, experience and it feels like for a team that you know is viewed as you know people view them as a potential championship contender it feels like you'd almost prefer you most you'd be put yourself in the best position to succeed hiring somebody that has done it um but what do you think about the current names that have uh, surfaced uh boy that's i mean obviously leslie fraser's name jumps out at you uh for his accomplishments and that he's been around for a while and uh, you know a, a new d someone new to the job at dc uh you know I don't know that you need that with a head coach who's still going into the job in his third, probably in his third year. Even though you, I mean, he should be. But I, I want to, I want to stop you real quick because I think that a lot of people said that the hiring of Vangio was going to be so instrumental because he was an experienced coach with, uh, with head coaching experience. But when you look back, like. I mean, I don't know. I guess, like, I'm not in there. In I'm not in the walls of the office. The practice facility on a day to day basis. But like, did it really like? Did it really matter that much? Like, well, maybe maybe it maybe it didn't. But maybe that's also his personality, and maybe that's the way his personality and Mike McDaniel's personality meshed or didn't mesh. And maybe you have a different mesh with a Leslie Frazier. I don't know. Uh, that's there's a. Uh, there's so, there's a lot of variables as we all know that go into these relationships that uh so you know that's why you do interviews um and that's why people talk to other people and the the, the Brandon Staley one uh is kind of interesting i i, I don't want to completely discount anything that happens with well somebody's with the chargers but my goodness, that franchise just seems to have such bad juju around it <laughs> that, you know, like, you know, I, I don't know. They, like, they get Justin Herbert, who's a hell of a quarterback. And I, I just think, it, 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 you know, yeah, he's going to do some young quarterback things because he's a young quarterback. But, man, I, I, I just get the – I, it's it's amazing to me that there are every so many years you look at their lineup and you go okay that's that should be a winning team that should be a playoff team and they're just not and then and then and with the Chargers like they they had I mean I think by the end of his tenure we had kind of come back around and, and you know I think that when he first started you know they they like they invested a lot of money in, into the defense like they 
they had, you know, Bosa and Khalil Mack yeah, and, Derwin, and Derwin James. And then they made, you know, a big move in free agency for JC, so JC Jackson. So they had some big names, but it never came around. And I think that by the end of the tenure, they had some injuries, but I think by the end of his tenure, we're like, maybe the, maybe we kind of overrated the, the talent, but to be bottom 10 in like all major defensive metrics, like yeah. that, that That's, was just a that was a real shock. Like he I, never and he called the plays too, so it, was, it wasn't like yeah. he could kind of put the blame on somebody else. Like he was the one, you know. I would with the ingredients. I would love making the dish. Well, obviously in the in the interview process, that's going to be the first question. Like what is, what 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 happened, what, what, what happened yeah. there? What yeah. happened there? What was your role in it? Um, you know, maybe there's, you know, maybe he needs to be. You know, maybe he needs to step back and be in a defensive coordinator role only to where, you know, instead of a head coaching role where you're worried about, you know, 16,000 other th- different things other yeah. than just that. Um, but it's, but even, I mean, I will say that even usually like a lot of times with head coaches, like when, you no, know, it doesn't pan out, like if they have an expert one side of if they have an expertise on one side of the ball, it's usually the other Like it's like when you're usually a defensive coach, it's like the offense is what gets them fired. Not like their specialty. Why it's, just right, so, right. it's why it's so weird, like why they were that. Like it'd be different if they were like 18th, 16th, 14th. They were kind of like middling, a middling average mediocre, but they were like routinely year in, year out, one of the worst defenses yeah. in the yeah. NFL. So that, that's definitely something that he'll have to that, explain. Uh, like, like, like I said, yeah, there's it, it's the Chargers. There's just a, there's a lot that happens there that just seems like it, year after year after year, it seems like it shouldn't happen there. They always look. They, that team is consistently looks better than they are, and you can't figure exactly figure out why the heck they're not a better a better team and a better franchise. I know, but that'll be one for his explanation. Um, he, does, I was gonna say one one last thing on Staley is I, I will say he does. So he does have a relationship with with McDaniel. Um, I believe they share. I believe they share an agent and. Um, you know, they're part of, you know, this QB collective group of of head coaches. Um, you know, there's actually a clip out there where McDaniel was talking about Staley and kind of praised him. And he's like, Brandon Staley forces you to invent new stuff left and right because he's, you know, he's just that creative. Um, again, he also coached uh, Jalen Ramsey back in 2020 with the Rams. And Ramsey was very complimentary of him. He said that he said at that time, he said he's the best defensive coordinator I've ever had. He does a great job of putting guys in position to succeed. And I don't want to speak for Ramsey, but not long after the news broke that the Dolphins would be interviewing Staley, uh, Ramsey actually put a tweet out kind of saying, you know, like, situations matter. I've seen guys go to places uh, that were supposed to be great situations and not succeed, and then go to places that were supposed to be bad situations and somehow succeed. And he's like, everyone, you know, situations really matter. So I, I, I'm not saying that it was, you know, right connected to Staley, but, you know, you can kind of connect the dots uh, right after th- that news came out, it seemed like he he would have you know some supporters uh, in the business. I mean, in the in the in the building. He also coached uh, Bradley Chubb when he was in Denver, and he was coaching out outside linebacker. So there there is a lot of uh, continuity. You know, Ronaldo Hill, who was his defensive coordinator with the Chargers before he came to join Vic Fangio, he's still on staff as the passing game coordinator. So you, you know, there's a lot of things kind of working in Staley's favor if the Dolphins do want to go that route, and they wouldn't be able to kind of retain the scheme. Like you wouldn't have to. Rip everything up, start from right. round zero. You'll be able to kind of just step in and maybe get a maybe get a more newer and fresher perspective uh and you know uh you know high uh you know kind of version of that scheme. 
Yeah, I, 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 as for the, I don't, I don't think you can go with, however, I don't think you can go with the first time guy. I, I just, it doesn't feel like it. It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't inspire confidence uh, publicly to fans. I don't think so. But you'd have to be, you'd have to be very, you'd have to be very certain. Like you'd have to, you'd, you'd, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, fans, fan response, fan response. You, you, you know what? You, you make your moves. If you're a GM or coach, you make your, you make the best moves you make. And the fans will, if, if it succeeds, the fans will go along with you. If That's it true. doesn't, the fans That's will pee, pee, pee on you. You cannot, if you make any decision based on your fans, you are, you know, you're going to be out of a job soon. You know, that's, you know, so, um, I, but I don't think you can go with that newer. If you're looking at, if you're trying to go make that next step, I don't think a first time guy is, it, it might work, but the, I don't think you want that uncertainty if, if, is this going to work? Yeah. You don't want that. Forget the fan base. You don't want that in the locker room and in the building. Yeah, I mean, but I think, I think what the Dolphins need most of all is they need somebody who is willing to be fluid um, as it as it pertains to scheme, personnel, and week to week game plan. You know, they need somebody. Like I saw this stat uh, from ESPN on Twitter last week, and it said that the Dolphins were thirty first. And percentage of snaps in which they allowed their cornerbacks to play press coverage. So it was like four percent. So so four percent of the time the Dolphins cornerbacks were in press coverage. And you got to think like I I just I saw that I'm like the Dolphins had a defense with Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey. And granted they didn't they weren't on the field the entirety of the season, but they played about eight nine ten games eleven games together. That many? I mean. When, when did when did when did Ramsey came Ramsey, in? Ramsey came Ramsey came back in week eight? Xavier Howard was out for that game, so they played week nine. So week nine to week seventeen, I think X makes makes the game. So like about half the season, but still half the seasons you have about half a season's worth of snaps. Right, right. Jalen Ramsey uh, and Xavier Howard, and even even so, even so, I mean, at some point you had X or Ramsey on the field. Was, right, right. You were right. only you had impressed. one. Yeah, and you were only in press coverage. Four percent of the time, and I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, I understand the scheme is the scheme, but I think you can again. Like X even said it himself at times throughout the year. He's like, yeah, this is a little different, but you know, when push comes to shove, I'm gonna go back to what I feel comfortable and know how to do. I think they would be well served getting somebody who you know has his scheme in place, but can also you know morph it and mix it with what his guys do best, uh, and and adjust. Uh, on a week-to-week basis based off game plan and what he's seeing out there. Um, I I mean, at first I was like, I didn't know how to feel about the Staley, Staley interview because, again, it, it's hard to justify hiring somebody who who had that much defensive talent and wasn't able to right. shake. And I have to keep in mind, and I, and I keep on thinking that I, I'm not sure if the Dolphins' defense is going to be the Dolphins' defense that is on the field for week one of the 2024 season. I don't know if it's going to be as talented as it was you know, this past season, because, you know, you have Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips coming back from, uh, in, from injuries, some severe 
injuries, they're going to be brought along slowly. You have, uh, you know, guys like Christian Wilkins and Angie Van Ginkle and Deshaun Elliott who are free agents. You have a guy like Xavier Howard who, you know, there's some speculation that he might not be around. So I need somebody who might be able to, you might have to work, you know, make, you know, do do more with less. Um, I would like, I, I think Frazier would be a great hire. I think the one thing that stood out to me from his time in Buffalo was that um, he kind of seemed like he got kind of like strong armed and pushed out the door in terms of, you know, Sean McDermott taking over the defensive play calls and wanting to do what he wanted to do. Um, so I think that there was a little bit of a power struggle with what he saw for the defense and what Frazier wanted to do. But you have a proven track record right there. Right. right. And you have you a guy where yeah. I think that, you know, you could, the defense would probably be a little bit different. Um, but I think that it wouldn't be like a complete philosophical change. And I think that, you know, you'd have somebody with that experience, that guy, a guy who has seen, uh, you know, 20 years worth, well, 20 plus years worth of NFL offenses and defenses. Um, and it's proven that he can produce a top ranked defense. I think that that would be a great hire. And then it also kind of, um, it also, also kind of uh, checked the box of having a guy who's, you know, experience and that head coaching experience um and he could really be the head coach of the defense as mike mcdaniel likes to say yeah and that's i mean that's the obvious plus with leslie frazier and um you also don't know you know fangio had the didn't seem to you know connect with the players for whatever reason uh you know leslie frazier probably probably be a better Better at that, I maybe better than that. I mean, he's a former player. Yeah. Like I say, he's been around a long time, so he knows the. I think he's seen the evolution of player coach relations, and uh, you know, he's up. You know, I think he's able to. He's probably probably able to adapt to it. Um, you know, his. I don't think his problems in Buffalo were with the players. Yeah, so. yeah, most definitely. Um, so you know, a lot of uh, you know, Dolphins are casting is a wide net. Uh, in terms of hiring the next defensive coordinator, um, we'll have all the latest updates um, at the Miami Herald. Uh, so definitely stay locked um, as the Dolphins continue in that process. All right, we're going to take a short break. But when we come back on the other side of things, we are down to the final two, the Super Bowl participants uh, after championship uh, weekend or uh, past couple uh, past couple days. Uh, what can the Dolphins learn from the final four and after watching those games, are the Dolphins closer or farther away uh, from being in that spot in 2024? We're going to discuss that and more. Stay locked with us, and we'll be back soon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Still here on the Dolphins of that podcast, talking all things Dolphins with David Neal. Now, in the first half, uh, we break down all the news uh, of the Dolphins parting ways, 
uh, mutually parting ways with Fangio last week, as well as uh, updates on their uh, defensive coordinator search. Um, we're going to shift gears, uh, talk about some Dolphins-adjacent news uh, with the uh, championship weekend. Very adjacent. I mean, very adjacent. Uh, with the Dolphins, uh, or the championship round uh, over the weekend, uh, the Chiefs uh, knocking off the Ravens as underdogs on the road uh, to advance to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. Uh, and then on the NFC side, uh, the San Francisco 49ers coming back on home, uh, coming back at home uh, to beat the Lions in advance uh, to their second Super Bowl in five years. Um, it sets up a rematch of uh, Super Bowl which was at Hard Rock uh, five years ago, uh, which saw uh, the Chiefs win their first uh, Super Bowl in the Patrick Mahomes era. But we're going to kind of keep it to the championship round, what we saw from that, and kind of what the Dolphins can take from that. Because, you know, at least uh, on the AFC side, you had two of, you know, the, the, I mean, those were, we, we can say those were two of the best teams uh, in the AFC. Um, obviously, uh, the Chiefs showed kind of their championship medal in that game, um, especially on defense. And these were two teams, well, again, the Dolphins were knocked out by the Chiefs, um, and they also lost early in the regular season. They obviously faced Baltimore in Week 17 and were blown out. So these were two teams that the Dolphins had seen up close, and now they were watching uh, kind of fight for the AFC title. Um, and I was curious kind of what you took uh, from that, as well as the NFC game. When it came to the Dolphins, um, what those games kind of showed the Dolphins need in order to get over the hump and kind of advance to that part of the postseason? Uh, I th- the Chiefs Ravens game, um, I think, showed the Dolphins are, despite their personnel, they're really not that close. That it feels like they should be closer than they are defensively, uh, because the Chiefs gave the Ravens a lot of problems. Obviously, I mean, seventeen ten. You know, that was, the, that was the Ravens' worst uh, offensive uh, game uh, of the uh, year. Yeah, that and, was Lamar's worst game of the year too. And uh, they let them have nothing on time. They uh, Baltimore, they got Baltimore out of the running game, which. Uh, I, I think uh, Baltimore got Baltimore out of the running, well, uh, out of the running yeah, game. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. and, um, you know, the. Uh, and I, I, I guess overall, so the Chiefs just have a way of handling adversity they, they have something you can't replace they have a bunch of guys i mean like you know yes they've had you know they don't have tyreek anymore they you know the running backs have changed but there's about 15 20 guys in that roster who have been through this whole thing with them you go going all the way back to 2018 when they yeah, lost like the AFC Titans. And yeah the like yeah yeah and they in these big games like when things happen to them in the regular season, it, you, you saw a lot more frustration, a lot more, uh, you know, a lot. And, and, you know, it just see, it seemed to break them for the night. When you saw a penalty pull back a sweet screen pass touchdown that, you know, had really would have. Yeah, the holding yeah, penalty had nothing to do with, nothing with to that. do with the play. With, the which also, pass. yeah, which is also, that's an infuriating penalty because you're like, Dude, you are barely supposed to touch him and let him through. What are you doing? You know, why are you hugging this man? 
And in the regular season, you saw different reactions. On, on so you saw a buildup of both anger, uh, and like yeah, the next play they got another penalty and got pushed back again. And they, I think they wound up getting this back in the field goal range, kicking yeah, they, the field they goal. Got a field goal before that. Right, so, but so there wasn't this. Uh, you know, it, they they still got something out of it, and it felt like in that game, it just felt like the whole mentality was different. It, you know, it there wasn't this. You know, you know, it, it, it's it was almost like they're like, okay, this is the time for that. We don't have time. We don't have time to throw helmets. We don't have time to be mad. We we just need to deal with this this situation right now, and let's and let's get back and let's get something out of this, and. Um, just their their whole uh, they they obviously didn't play a perfect game at, by any stretch of the imagination, and they were scoreless but, in the second half. Right, they were scoreless in the second half, and um, but again, when they needed a play at the, at the end, it, it you know it does help to have you know the best quarterback of your generation who's going to sit back there and throw off his back foot and still say, okay, Miko Hardman, you know. You dropped everything but the car keys, you know, for for four months. I'm putting I'm putting the game and our Super Bowl clinching hopes in your hands. Mark, and, I think it was Marquez Valdez scaling, but same thing. He dropped. Yeah, he dropped the big yeah, catch in the Eagles yeah, okay. game, and now he, Both, he just catch. Whichever one you it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't Travis Kelsey who's also dropped a jackload of balls, right? The only guy Rice is the only one who hasn't, right? And recently, so. You know, uh, that, uh, yeah, I, I think there's just, there's something about mentality. It's, it's, and that's something that they have built through the years. So it's not something you can instill kinda, immediately. Kinda it's not Patriot, something you can. Kind of Patriots esque. Like, like it's like you've been there, you have a composure about you. Even when things don't go right, you find right. it because you stay calm. But, but I think championship teams, though, in general, have that. Same mentality. I mean, we we associated with the Patriots because they did it for you know twenty years. It felt you know over almost two generations of NFL players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but championship teams, that's always been something with them. That's part part of being having a championship medal. You know, being you know in big games. Hey, things aren't going well. Things aren't going great. But let's just you know no fussing and everything. Let's just keep playing and trying to do what we do best. And you know, let's have this come out. Um, you know we've we've seen that in Super Bowls. I might, I just immediately flashed on the horror, the Cowboys Broncos Super Bowl a million years ago. Uh, it was it was not a well played game at all, and you had turnovers all over the place, uh, fumbles, penalties, people doing things in scoring position. It was just bad, but the Cowboys kept it together, and then you know eventually got a big play, which was actually a drop. They called it a touchdown, but you know they. It was a whole thing of okay, let's just keep playing. Let's let's not let the mistakes and everything get to us. Let's let's keep creating mistakes and trying to create mistakes on the other side. Let's just keep going. Championship teams have always been able to do that, and the Chiefs, as much as anybody else, have been able to do that. You know, through huge deficits. You know, back in back when their offense was really flying. You know. 18 to 19, 20, okay, yeah, they're down by 20, whatever. Yeah, you, you, 
they felt whatever. They came back. They won big, and it was like it, it just creates a mentality in these games. The as far I don't know if there's anything personnel wise. I mean, other than you probably need to get, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, you you know you do need if you don't have a line that can play that can you know have a do a four minute drill or can pound out a yard when you need it. Then Casey, if you, that's Casey the, won the trenches battle on both sides, right? Like in that game, right. they won. If, both. And if I think you, that was maybe a surprise to a lot of people uh, right. after in that game. And you you need to do you need to if you don't have that unit, then you need to one way or another get that unit. You don't need to have the best one, but you need to have one that can do it. Yeah. Um, which is a lesson they learned in the wild card game, anyway. Uh, other than that, it's there. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of unique people on Kansas City. Uh, starting with fifteen, starting with 15. yeah, yeah, starting with fifteen. But uh, like we, I mean, were, we, but the, co- the coach was pretty unique too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, he, he's uh, one of the greatest to ever do it. And again, that's, I mean, that's and, just that experience and kind of you know callousness right. that you have, or the other you know the the experience and ten- tenor that he has. I, I I'll say, um, it's funny watching that game, the the AFC Championship game. It kind of reminded me of uh, the Dolphins' first game against the Chiefs. Where in Germany, where the Chiefs get off to a hot start, you know they're putting points on the board. Um, it looks like the defense is a little overmatched. Uh, they settle down. You know, I mean, the Ravens and the Dolphins held the Chiefs scoreless in the second half. Um, but it's just that Chiefs defense. I think that like they were kind of maybe a little bit underrated throughout the year. But I mean, they were kind of the second best in terms of points allowed. They were the second best defense sure. uh, in the NFL. Um, and, and you saw them. You saw them win the battle in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Um, I, I will say something that stood out to me in both these games and kind of sticking with the AFC championship game is the impact of coaching, I think, is still maybe a little bit overlooked, especially in these high stakes games. You know, a lot of times we and it's it's very cliche and very natural, just kind of boil it down to the quarterback. Quarterback didn't play well. They lost like I'm like, okay, yeah, like obviously he touches the ball every single game. But um the the impact of coaching, game plan and adjustments. Um, and I say that because you have very similar situations with the Ravens season ending loss to the Chiefs and the Dolphins season ending loss to the Chiefs, where I think that the the mindset or like the the public outward mindset entering both of those games for the Dolphins and the Chiefs is that if they were going to have any chance in that game and their best shot at winning that game was to run the ball. And I think it's for kind of different reasons. I mean, the Chiefs deep run defense hasn't been that great at all this year but for the Dolphins you know playing in you know a quote-unquote warm weather team playing in inclement weather frigid conditions the poor family franchise history the thought was if we're going to have any chance we've got to run the ball we've got to run it consistently and the Dolphins just never got to that and the same thing with the Ravens the Ravens just never even tried I think they had a season low in carries only six for the running backs um so it was a game plan thing and it was kind of like a uh it was a game plan thing and a and a coaching thing where they didn't never made that adjustment and you're almost playing into the Chiefs' hands. Um, so I, I'll say that, you know, in terms of, you know, maybe not personnel, but like coaching really does matter. Um, and I think yeah. in that, in that, in that regard, sometimes, and, you know, I think that McDaniel, Mike McDaniel, you know, I, I've said it before. I think that he'd be the first to tell you that there were a lot of play calls, there are a lot of decisions that he would like back. Um, but it's still just his second year. I mean, he's still just a very, very young coach, and it takes time. Like, it takes time. Like, even, even for all the criticism that 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 Baltimore is getting for you know coming up short, you know, being the number one seed. Like, it's 
it's really tough to win in the postseason. Like, I think that we're almost kind of taking what the Chiefs are doing for granted. Like, to... to, to because, we do, because we just watched another team do it for, like, 20 years. That's the thing. Yeah, like, like it's, it's really it, tough. Like, yeah. Like, weird things happen. Weird things happen in the playoffs. I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm watching the game like, uh, yesterday, and I'm like, Zay Flowers gets a 55-yard completion and then a taunting penalty that, you know, that's like the only other big play they've gotten outside of their touchdown. And, you know, a taunting penalty puts them back. And then two plays later, you know, he's diving into the end zone for what would be, you know, the score that's going to cut it to three points with an entire quarter to, to play. And all the momentum is going to go to Baltimore. And he fought, gets or he gets the ball knocked out the, the goal line and the Chiefs recover. Like, like weird things happen in the playoffs. I think that, and, I, and, I, and I've said it all season, like, you not only have to be good to like make a run, but you got you got to be lucky. Like injury, oh, yeah. Yeah. game luck, like weird things just happen in the game of football. Um, and I know that yeah. Dolphins fans probably don't want to hear that. Um, but you know, Tyree Tyree Kill kind of alluded to it over the weekend. Like you know, like we're building something. Like they're build like they are building something. And I know that this was a this was definitely a season of what ifs for the Dolphins because um, it, at points it did seem like everything was kind of coming together. Um, but it's just really tough. Like it's like everything, I, I, a lot of things have to go your way in order to be the last of thirty-two teams standing, or be the the, the last two standing. Um, and for the Dolphins, like there were definitely some personnel stuff that could have been better. The roster wasn't perfect. It definitely wasn't perfect after you know you factor in a lot of the injuries that they dealt with. Um, but I would say they're. I would say that they're not. I don't think that my, my view kind of changed. Like after watching those games, I don't think my view kind of changed. Obviously, you got to be kind of perfect to beat a team like the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Um, but I think that the pieces are in place. And I think the major question, and a question that we're going to discuss a lot more times over the course of the next several months, is the quarterback situation and whether you are good enough at quarterback to uh, to get over the hump. Um and I think that with Tua, you've seen some flashes, but there are some legitimate questions. And that kind of takes me to like my second point with the NFC Championship game. Um, I, I didn't, honestly didn't watch that game as much because I was, you know, working on you know stuff for the week and getting ready to to, to head out here. Um, but I saw Purdy, Brock Purdy, and he might be like one of he might have been the most polarizing player this season. Honestly, yeah. Uh, there's yeah. some people that say he's a game manager. Some people say that he's like the next apparent of Joe Montana and Tom Brady. You know, it's like so it's just very extreme. But slow down. For as, many, for as many mistakes as I saw him make early in that game, I saw him make plenty of plays late in that game where he's making throws, he's evading pressure, he's getting out the pocket, he's scrambling, he's making plays. Like he's doing stuff that you don't see from a quote unquote game manager. Um I think that there, I think that there's a lot of similarities to him and to his game. They're playing in similar schemes. Um, you know, I keep on going back to Tua, and the question is, um, he's never going to like I keep on saying he's never going to be Lamar. He's never going to be Josh Allen. He's never going to be Patrick Mahomes in terms of the skill set. But can he continue to grow his game and improve in some areas? Um, that we're not accustomed to him seeing because I feel like you have to play, in order to be in order to to be successful and to make deep runs in the postseason, I think you have to have a good mix of on structure play and off script ability. 
And I think that we've seen for the Dolphins that they are great in in structure. Tua can you know, hit that three-step drop, find one of his guys over the middle, and let it rip with his anticipation and accuracy. But like we said, when the play breaks down, when things aren't going his way, when the picture gets a little muddied, can he extend it for a little bit? I'm not saying you got to run around – like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar, right. but hey, Purdy was making some plays. Like he was, right. he was spinning he, out he, of traffic. He was scrambling. He was making throws. Um, you, I'm not saying two have to do that all the time, but I do think that you do have to have a little bit of in, in structure. You have to a little bit. You have to have structure to your to your offense, and you have to have, you have to have the ability to make things shake when things are, are out of structure. Because when you're playing, like you got to keep in mind, like these were like three out of five, or probably five or six best defenses in the NFL. Like the the, the 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 four remaining teams like the Ravens were number one, uh, the Chiefs uh, were number two, and the and the Forty uh, Niners and Lions were like top ten like they were they were high up there so it wasn't like you know these were just like offensive juggernauts and slouches on defense. Um, you do have to be able to kind of play you know have a curveball be able to play this ball is isn't isn't really rolling to them. And I don't think the Dolphins show that up. They, there were times where they could run the ball and they could do some versatile things. And I think that when push came to shove and they played the best teams, uh, the best competition, like there's a reason why they were one and six against playoff teams and they only scored 12 offensive points a game. And it was because those teams got them off their, off their, um, you know, off what they were comfortable from. And, you know, I think you know, you have to look at McDaniel with the play calling. But then you also have to ask a very tough question this offseason, like how much better can Tua get? And is that ceiling something that can lead you uh, to a championship game uh, in a conference and to the Super Bowl ultimately. I, I don't know if I have that answer um, because I don't want to say – I have a hard time saying Tua can't get any better. Obviously, this is all projection. But I have a hard time saying he can't get better when, you know, to McDaniel's point, all we've seen him do is get better when he's been provided a system that accentuates his talents, he's been healthy, he's been able to be comfortable and feel comfortable – leading that team, all he's done is get better. So it's hard for me to say, like, this is the best that he's ever going to get. Because even with Lamar Jackson, like, there were a lot of people that didn't think he was going to be this good of a passer in 2018 or even in 2019. Right. He had his playoff struggles. Um, and maybe that should be a – excuse me. Maybe that should be a cautionary – not cautionary tale, but kind of a, a a teaching point, too. Like, it's it's tough. Like, sometimes you have to go through your lumps. You have to go through your growing pains um, and kind of learn from adversity and learn from failures. Um, to get better, so Wait. I think I think the Dolphins definitely have you know a, a big offseason ahead of them. But I do like I do like their their foundation and their their core. Um, I said it before. I'd love to see them beef up the offensive line and get that fixed, so they can really really be like that mauling team, especially on the run on on the ground. Um, but I think the pieces are in place. Um, no, for sure. Yeah, well, whenever you play the best team, best defenses, you're going to have to have an ability to improv because at some point they're going to stop. You know, they're going to kind of screw up what you do, you know, on script or on time or whatever. They're, you know, uh, you know unless you're unless you're Montana, Rice, and Taylor, guess what? They're gonna, you know, somebody's they're gonna interrupt you, and even then, they're going to interrupt your timing. They're going to interrupt. You. You're going to need to improv. And the Dolphins don't improv well. Um, improv doesn't always have to be, you know, running around, you know, extending the play for five seconds. Sometimes improv is, okay, first read no, second read no, third read no. Let me check back, you know, okay, let me 
step out of the pocket, you know, do a little pocket shuffling to give myself an extra second or two to go to maybe go back to first read. You know what? You know there has to be some improv, and the Dolphins don't have that. They're they're they you know they're they're script it's script in the you know in the screenwriting sense, not in the you know Bill Walsh sense, um, and. Yeah, things you know, funky things happen in the playoffs. You do every every championship team, every single championship team has needed some form of luck along the way. There's some point in the season they go, yeah, you know, we're lucky this didn't happen here, or you know, or we're we're you know the even the seventy two Dolphins they had to play the AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh because that's the way it was back then. They didn't, you know, you thought they would have been the you know, hosted as, you know, the undefeated number one seed. They didn't, they go to Pittsburgh, it's 63 degrees in January. You know, um, you know, um, you know, Terry Bradshaw was out for the better part of that game. I mean, you know, you get every, every championship team, every single one has, you know, gets a break somewhere, gets, you know, gets lucky. But the other thing is they get breaks, but they're in position to take advantage of those breaks. And um, they're constructed to take advantage of those breaks. Uh, you know, the Dolphins have gaps that we've seen uh, and we that we've discussed. I, you know, I, I don't. I feel like there's still a I, I feel like as we go into the offseason, if you ask me next year what's their top end, it still feels like divisional round. I'm not even sure it's conference championship game. Would you say that because of the quarterback play in the AFC or because of the roster construction? I'm talking teams. Okay. I'm talking I'm talking this whole whole team. I don't I don't want it, teams win championships. Okay. You know, great yes, you 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 know, you pro- you ha- need to have a quarterback that does what you need need that quarterback to do. Whether it's a game manager or whether it's being a you know transcendent you know cre- creator you know date you know David Copperfield as quarterback guy, guy whatever you still need a whole team to win. I often said Joe Montana's got four Super Bowl rings. So does Ronnie Lott. That's not an accident. He's got the same four, you know, that there's a reason. Um, It takes, it takes a team. And as a team, I don't see the Dolphins being, and it's not just because of the quarterback play. It's not just, I I would take Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, over, over to, I would take Justin Herbert over to a chargers aren't near the chargers are not as good a team. And we're not as good a team this year as the Dolphins were. Do I think they had a better quarterback in a you know a vacuum? Yeah, but Tua fit Tua fits well what the Dolphins do. They are and you know, but this is an overall team thing that I'm saying. I look at them and I see divisional round. Um, could that change? Of course it can. Of course that can. You know, that can change this off season. Um, you know, who knows the shuffling that's going to wind up going on. There's always there's usually a surprise or two, you know, uh, 
Baltimore is not going to look exactly the same. Kansas City is not going to look exactly the same. The key parts of Kansas City probably going to still be there, but yeah, 15, uh, 15 is still going to be there, and the head coach they're, they're, still going to be there. Right? They're they're probably they're yeah. A lot of them moves going to they're going to be the same, but you know, it'll be interesting to see how everything is reshuffled. But right now, I think the Dolphins are as a roster, as a team, a divisional round team, and I and uh, can they win a Super Bowl with Tua? He still has to improve, but why? Again, why wouldn't we ex- expect that? Why do we? Why do we ex- look at? Why do we make these snap judgments? Do we talk about how tough the quarterback position is to play? Well, why do we make these really snap judgments on quarterbacks after a relatively short amount of time? Um, it sells, man. You know, it sells. No, that's it's it's dumb. It, it's it really it, it really is. It's no, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's just, you, you, I mean, I agree. You even look at you even look at Jared Goff, who was kind of left for dead after he was traded from the Rams. The Rams pretty much are like, we don't want you. We don't think we can win without you. Um, and a couple years later, I mean, he's playing in the NFC Championship game with the Detroit Lions, and I think he played pretty well in that game. I mean, he and, gave him a very to, good opportunity to win that game. To the Rams' credit, they were like, okay, we we we're ready to win a Super Bowl now. You're not, yeah. And you know they traded him for Matt Stafford, and th- that all worked out. It, it kind of worked out for both sides. The Rams got their Super Bowl, and Detroit has gotten a, their best. Well, they're you know they've gotten a good quarterback for you know a while, and you know. But again, is is Matt Stafford? This is what I'm saying about the quarterback. You know, compare Matt Stafford as a quarterback to Jared Goff. Matt Stafford's a better quarterback than Jared Goff at, sure. at any point in his career. Okay, the Lions got further with Jared Goff at quarterback. Why? Because they had a better team. The whole team was better. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they beat them. They, they and, beat them. And, and 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 but the whole team was better. The whole Lions team was better than any Lions team Matt Stafford had, was was on. And Matt Stafford was throwing to Calvin Johnson a good chunk of the time. Um, but you know. Again, the whole team. And, you know, so, I, but I think it's crazy the way we, we do these, you know, like the people who are talking about Lamar. Can Lamar ever do it? Oh, my goodness. Is Lamar ever, like, how how old is, is, is he? 27. Did he? Yeah. Did he suddenly get his a, get an AARP yeah. envelope in the mail? You know, I mean, what the hell? He, he's 27. You know, I, I I remember talking to Peyton Manning his seventh year when he, I mean, he, he wore, I, think he, I think he was two and four in the playoffs at this point as well. Oh, he was. Oh, he went oh for the playoffs until two thousand three, until his sixth season, and then in two thousand, you know, two thousand four, he's having the first of his record setting years, and you know, there's always already the thought, hey, you know, well, what, well, how, you know, when do you when do you get into the Super Bowl? When do you get in the Super Bowl? He was, you know, he was he was in his seventh year. And it come to a franchise that, you know, frankly, his first year wasn't very good. And, you know, there's, it took him time to grow. He's still even, even as he's setting NFL records, he was still growing and still improving as a quarterback. And the team around him was still improving, which was a big, big point was the team around him was also improving. And, you know, ninth year, 
was when they won it. Yes, probably, probably, you know? it takes time. So, I mean. yeah, I mean, Drew Brees was in, was he 2001 draft? So he was, yeah, he was year yeah. nine when they won it. Yeah. 2006. Uh, when they went to the championship game, and, and but he, his first few years, they wasn't a lot going on in, in San Diego. That's why they picked Philip Rivers in two thousand four, and then Breeze had a really you know kick ass year. But and the Chargers got turned around. But again, the team they got the team going, and so uh, the Dolphins' problems extend beyond Tua. Is does he need to improve for them to be a championship team? Yeah, but they're they have other problems that they need to address before they can, you know, really sit at the sit at the table in you know December. Yeah, I think to, uh, sit at the big table. They they had the kid. They had the you know they had the one of those satellite tables now right now. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think Chris Greer kind of spoke to that. Um, spoke to that in the end of season news conference, like he was asked, you know, five years after, you know, kind of the tank season, that wasn't well, how it was phrased, but you know, after, after the rebuild season, you know, like, is this, a, is this a, a success or a failure to not have any playoff wins? And he said, you know, it's kind of tough because um, this is the second year of Mike McDaniel. Like I, I think that ideally, like when you strip down the roster and get and kind of start to rebuild, like the Dolphins did five years ago, you would hope that you're definitely competing for championships at this point. But he noted that, you know, this is the second year in the Mike McDaniel era. This is really like this is really like the second year for Tua in this game, and you did see the growth. Um, so they're, they're building something, and I, I keep on saying, I think that the foundation and the core is there. Um, but yeah, it is, it, you know, there needs to be accountability, and there needs to be a uh, a um, kind of urgency to capitalize on some of the talent that they have, and that's what this offseason will be for. So uh, we'll see if they're able to do that. You know, again, it starts at, you know, this week at the Senior Bowl and then at the Combine, and then obviously we'll have free agency and a, a bevy of moves that the team will make in order to reshape uh, and form and build a roster that can compete and be uh, in the mix come the championship round. So we'll see uh, how they do. Obviously, a very long offseason ahead of us will be there. Uh, throughout uh, the entirety of it, uh, you know, guiding you through uh, all the Dolphins moves. Um, well, that brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphins and Net Podcast. Well, thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Reminder to subscribe to the Miami Herald YouTube page, like, share, and comment. Again, I'm in Mobile, Alabama this week for the Senior Bowl, so I'll have a ton of updates uh, starting tomorrow on some players to watch, updates. You know, we got a couple of UM guys uh, down here, so definitely we'll uh, catch up with them and see how they're doing as they get ready uh, to transition from college to the pros. Uh, we'll be back next week to recap another week of uh can't see Dolphins football, but you know, we might have some updates on the defense coordinator, uh search, okay. some, some other developments. We uh we'll be there all throughout the week and we'll come back and we'll break it down for you guys. Uh you got anything get, get, any get, lasting get, words, David? Yeah, yeah, get some barbecue up in Mobile, man. I will, I will. Get, I've got some, get some uh get, get some good eating. I will. Get, I got I got some I got some some spots bookmarked. So I will uh definitely be indulging <laughs> and I'll enjoy it. Uh, don't, so again, don't, uh, don't 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 have the chitlins though before you got again. No chitlins. You're not a fan of chitlins. No, I am a fan of chitlins. I just know. I just know. Don't have those before you work, because you know. <laughs> I, I got you. <laughs> I got you. I, I, I heard you there. We'll be back yeah. next week uh, to talk more dolphins. But until then, you guys take care. See ya.